Welcome, welcome to you all. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm Fred Kemp, President and CEO of the Atlantic Council. Before I say anything else, Mr. Minister, Mr. Ambassador, happy anniversary. 60th anniversary of the Treaty of Rome. Hugely important moment in our common history. And, uh, and you'll be talking about that and other things today, but I want you all first to recognize that this was not just a point on the calendar, uh, but it was a point at the end of one of the most devastating wars that the world has ever, uh, ever uh, seen, and we have experienced 70 years of unequaled uh, prosperity and peace in Europe and across the Atlantic. Um, I'm delighted in that, with that spirit uh, to welcome you to today's discussion on Italy and the role it plays in European and global security. Uh, first, a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, this discussion is on the record. Uh, and is being live streamed around the world. Uh, I encourage everyone in the audience and those participating remotely uh, to join in the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag, uh, hashtag StrongerWithAllies. Uh, now it's my honor and privilege to welcome our distinguished guest, His Excellency Angelino Alfano, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Italy, who I had the honor to meet when he was Minister of Interior, when he was here recently, and had a very rich conversation with you in that, and also uh, former uh, Minister of Interior in a former government when you were also Deputy Prime Minister. Since Mr. Alfano was appointed Minister of Foreign Affairs in December 2016, he's worked tirelessly on efforts to ensure that Italy, Europe, and the transatlantic community remain resilient in the face of intensifying uh, global uncertainty. It will be a privilege to hear Minister Alfano on the role of Italy, the EU, and NATO in addressing the varied threats uh, uh, to national, regional, and global security. I'd also like to welcome all the distinguished guests uh, joining us in the audience today, including uh, the Italian Ambassador Armando Vericchio, with whom we've had a terrific relationship, and your amazing uh, team at your embassy. Uh, and we have also here several Atlantic Council board members. Uh, including uh, our own uh, Italian contingent, uh, Franco Nuschese and, uh, and Enzo Viscusi. Uh, and I, I, Mr. Ambassador, you also know the level of Italian-speaking expertise at the Atlantic Council has no equal at any think tank in America. I, 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 I hope that's not fake news. I think that's real news. Um, so. Um, uh, this anniversary comes at a time of acute uncertainty in Europe. I, I don't have to tell you that. Uh, 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 threats from the South, uh, migrants, extremism, the issues that you're dealing with uh, in Libya, North Africa, and beyond, where we're doing uh, some excellent work uh, uh, with Italian partners uh, at the, uh, at, at the uh, organization ISPI. Uh, th threats from the East and threats internally, centrifugal challenges. Uh, these challenges only intensify the need for Europeans to stand together at this crucial moment with their allies across the Atlantic. The elections in the first half of 2017 uh, in Europe will have significant consequences for the European project. Although the rebuke of far-right populism in the Netherlands last week uh, was encouraging, there are many tests yet to come. Uh, the Atlantic Council is proud to provide a forum for transatlantic discussion, strengthening the U.S.-EU relationship and promoting positive international engagement. 
Last month, we hosted Federica Mogherini for a conversation on the European Union's foreign policy, and we were delighted to hear her views on how to strengthen the EU's role in the global arena. She delivered a cautiously optimistic speech, highlighting the areas of shared interest and cooperation with the US. Uh, today, we look forward to hearing more on Italy's role in confronting these challenges while promoting shared European values. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. I don't want to say anything more now. I'd rather uh, draw the minister out after his opening comments uh, in, a, in a conversation that will follow also with the audience. And then we'll move into uh, to take questions from the audience. So Minister Alfano, the floor is yours. President Kemp, members of the Atlantic Council, ladies and gentlemen. I am glad to be here at the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council is the home of free thinking and dialogue. It promotes the key values that underpin the great relationship between America and Europe. And our common values are vital to ensure our society and defend our freedoms. I want to focus our discussion on the common security challenges that stem from the Mediterranean. If you lo look at the Mediterranean on a map, you will notice that it's just a little bit larger than the Great Lakes. However, politically, and not just in maritime terms, it's not as calm as a lake. A great portion of global security is at stake in that big lake. Just think about the main crisis across the Mediterranean, the collapse of Libya and its borders, the huge flows of migrants from Africa, the conflict in Syria, and the spread of Daesh in a massive area that spans from Tunisia to Iraq. And uh, I I was last week in Belgrade and Tirana and met uh, six prime uh, ministers in Sarajevo. The Western Balkans are a core part of Europe. Their security is our security. Integration is the answer. We are facing an unprecedented situation of structural instability in the region. In the past, our common security threats were coming mainly from the east. But today, most of them come from the southern shores of the Mediterranean Sea. I stress this point with NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg. I told him, quite frankly, that the Mediterranean is the place that ties the European Union to NATO and then to the US. A common effort in the Mediterranean is a keystone to our security. It should be a priority in NATO's new strategy. In all my discussion with the Secretary of State Tillerson and other good friends in the, the US administration, I sense a very deep understanding of what's really at stake in the Mediterranean. And the US knows, knows very well that it can count on Italy's expertise and knowledge for, of the region. As you know, 
I am in Washington to participate in the meetings of the global coalition against Daesh. Under the US leadership, the coalition has proved an extraordinary tool in the battle against Daesh. We are facing a new threat. Non-state actors with state-like capabilities and aspirations. And this makes the threat much more serious. So let me stress what Italy is doing to counter this threat and to stabilize those countries that are its first victims. Italy is a protagonist in Libya and in Iraq. Italy has deeply invested in Iraq as the second partner of the global coalition. We have 1,400 troops stationed there. We are in Iraq to help and to stay. The Iraq unit, trained by our military, were among those that played an essential role in the battle for Fallujah. Today, the same units are also involved in the operation to free Mosul. I'm confident that Mosul will be liberated very soon. The Iraqi cities are freed from Daesh by the army, but it's the job of the police to maintain public order. Italian carabinieri are training this police. Overall, we have trained so far 18,000 security forces. The main challenge for Iraq and the coalition is to make the military victory sustainable. Since, uh, since there is no peace without stabilization and there is no stabilization without a reliable police, Libya is uh, another country that has always been a strategic priority for Italy as it should be for the whole Europe. Therefore, we were the first to return to Tripoli and open our embassy. Being on the ground allows us to better support the Libyan efforts in the eradicating terrorism. In particular, we have been providing medical assistance to the Eastern and Western Libyan young men who have fought terrorism in their home country. We cannot afford to lower our guard now that we are making some progress because the situation is really still fragile. Reconciliation between East and West of Libya is fundamental to diffuse the threat of return of Daesh and foreign fighters. The, fate, the fight against terror should unite the divided Libyan people. At the same time, we are working actively to cut off the stream of finances that sustain terrorism. It's like cutting their oxygen. A good example of success at a global scale has been the counter Daesh finance group chaired by Italy, together with the US and Saudi uh, Arabia. However, if we want to succeed in our fight against terror, we need more vigorous diplomatic action to promote credible and inclusive political solutions. Because it's essential not to marginalize large sectors of society. 
in Libya, as in Iraq and in Syria, is the same. Generals used to say that a war is won when soldiers are in control of the presidential palace. So, that was the case in the past. Today, a war is won only when the doors of the palaces of power are open for the inclusion of the key political players. No victory against terror can be achieved in the long term if large communities are isolated and discriminated against. Therefore, with regards to Syria, Italy firmly supports the efforts of UN envoy de Mistura for inclusive talks in Geneva. This must be part of our comprehensive strategy in fighting Daesh and Al-Qaeda. Italy also supports the initiative launched by EU to host an international conference in Brussels on the future of Syria and the region next, just next April. However, we cannot pay for the reconstruction while Assad is, stealing, is still killing his people. Let me also remind that Italy is a security provider to the region in other ways. For instance, we are the first contributors of troops to UNIFIL at the border between Lebanon and Israel. We consider peacekeeping as a qualitative element of security strategy. In fact, Italy is the first Western contributor of blue helmets to the UN, and we are extremely engaged in their training. And as you know, Italy is also one of the largest contributors to NATO operations and missions in areas that are of immediate threat to the security of the Mediterranean, such as Kosovo and Afghanistan. It's also fundamental not to lose sight of the bigger picture. While we work to get rid of Daesh in Libya, Syria and Iraq, we must be very, we must be very mindful of the risk of further sectarian drift. The aggressiveness of Shia militias, for example, is a recipe for more violence in the region. And the last thing we want, the last thing we want to see are more tensions in Lebanon or new attacks against Israel. At the same time, we have work to do at home in our national responses to terrorism. We bear a huge responsibility to reassure our citizens. And not by spreading more fear, as some populists are doing in uh, Europe. What are needed are concrete actions, not slogans. Something that I did with great resolve as Minister of Interior by identifying and neutralizing violent extremists, and also by encouraging smarter cooperation mechanisms to share more intelligence. Italy wants to step up its information sharing with the US. Europe and the United States are facing common challenges in the Mediterranean. For this reason, I am convinced that our transatlantic bond remains as crucial as ever. As Europeans, it's understood that we need to step up our security efforts. 
our defense sectors requires more resources and a higher level of integration. On the other hand, Europe has to increase its level of ambition and look with greater attention to the south, where we face the biggest terror threats today. On the 25th of March, European leaders will gather, as Mr. Kemp said, to celebrate six years since the signing of the treaties that gave birth to the European Union. It's not just a celebration, but also an occasion to foster the idea of a common European defense as a means of further integration. A common European defense has become an urgency, and it goes hand in hand with NATO's southern strategy. I would like to repeat, it goes hand in hand with NATO's southern strategy. It's in the interest of Europe, it's in the interest of NATO, and it's in the interest of our partners in the Mediterranean. All of us can benefit. My dear friends, our transatlantic ties can only continue to grow because they are built on extremely solid foundation of shared freedoms and values that define our identity and our deepest beliefs. The enemy is strong, but then I think of the strength of our common freedoms and fundamental values and how, over time, these have proven to be stronger than any horrifying terrorist plot. I am deeply convinced that once again, history will prove that freedom and democratic values, as well as the strength of our democratic institutions, will prevail against all destabilizing threats. All of us, together, are committed to achieve this objective. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. Thank you. Uh, th thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, those opening comments, that speech, uh, which I think uh, it, it is useful uh, to look at the Mediterranean. Uh, because if you look at the Great Lakes and look at what's bordering on the Great Lakes of the United States, it doesn't pose uh, anywhere near the challenges <laughs> as you look around the Mediterranean. So I think that was a very useful map. Uh, now let's take a open by taking a look at the map of Europe. Uh, so this is th this extraordinary um, union that grew out of the six countries that reached the decisions of the tre Treaty of Rome um, 60 years ago. If you're looking at threats, and threats that you and I have talked about before, you've got issues in the Balkans. You've got issues further north and to the east. You've got uh, issues of the Eurozone. You've got uh, the issues of populism that you touched upon. Um, and you've got the issues of uh, ISIS, uh, uh, extremism, uh, migration, etc. As you look at all of these, 
talk to me a little bit about how you view the state of Europe and how do and, and, and how do you prioritize these challenges? How does Europe face up to this? And how existential, some people can exaggerate a moment of history. Is this an ex existential moment for Europe? Yes. I think uh, I couldn't agree more with you. It's an existential moment. And I consider that the history of another occasion to, his to show to the world the capacity to be protagonist of the global history for Europe. We have another occasion, uh, but we need a global approach for uh, uh, the issues that you mentioned, because we need for migration, for security, for the threats that come from South, a global approach from Europe. Uh, after the first 60 years, we had peace, security, prosperity, but we have not, so far, a social Europe and a military Europe. We have a strong alliance with NATO and we stay inside uh, with a deep of conviction in NATO. But we need uh, to do more on an autonomous way in related and in uh, integrated approach with NATO. This is the key solution, in my view, to stay together in NATO and in a new common defense, a European common defense system. This is the key strategy. And I think that is the new mission, the new target, the new objective for the next years for Europe. Um, and uh, from the standpoint of Italy, um, and coming here to the United States now. You've got a G7 coming up, a G20 coming up, both of which are going to be in Europe, and a NATO summit. Um, what, what do you need most from the US, the newly elected president of the United States and the US administration at this point in history? In, uh, I heard the speech of uh, Vice President Pence in Munich conference last month. And uh, I really appreciated his words because uh, he reaffirmed the strong relationship between US and Europe and reaffirmed and underlined his deep conviction about the necessity to have uh, a strong approach of NATO in security issues and also in a strong relationship and friendship between US and EU is a, a really effective words, in my opinion. Because uh, we needed and we need that the ocean doesn't divide EU and US. We need that we stay united because we need for peace and security uh, that uh, a common strategy against terrorism is based on EU and e, uh, US solidarity and friendship and sincerity. and sincerity. This is very important for us. And uh, at the same time, we need, as Europeans, to show to US the necessity of uh, a loyal approach to uh, the uh, issue of the cost of NATO.
we, uh, we spent um, really much more in other fields. For example, in the case of Italy, in search and rescue operations in Mediterranean Sea, half million of people we saved in the last three years. And uh, our operations had a cost. A cost is a security cost, is a humanitarian cost. I am sure is a security cost, maybe, maybe. Uh, we, uh, we need uh, to do a lot in the next months and years because the emergency is not finished. And I consider that uh, the most important challenge for us, for the West, is now in this period of the history to combine in an effective way human principles, humanitarian approach, and the necessities of security. This is our main point, because it is not useful to renounce to solidarity to have security, and vice versa, is not useful to renounce to security to give solidarity. You know, that's a very powerful way to put it, uh, a uh, humanitarian approach and security. Uh, if I think back to uh, 2015, when a lot of Europe was caught off guard uh, by unprecedented numbers of migrants, in a way, Italy wasn't caught off guard because you'd been dealing with these issues, you'd been talking about these issues for a long period of time. But where does that migrant situation stand now, um, and, uh, and how has a Europe adjusted from 2015 to now? And how do you strike this balance between wanting to be an open society and wanting to be a secure society? Maybe you can drill down just a little bit more on that. Yes, thank you for um, this question. But uh, first of all, we, we are connected in streaming, but allow me to frankly speaking. Yes, all your words as a crucial point and main point. The main point that is Libya, the stability of Libya. Yeah. The stability of Libya. Yeah. It's the key point because we, we need to st st uh, stabilize, to stabilize the Libya. It's necessary for us because there is a potential risk on, uh, for migration emergency and current risk for a migration emergency, but, but it's also a potential risk in security matter and security field, in terrorism field, terrorist field. So the potential division between West and East of Libya is a risk for all the world, not only for Italy or for Mediterranean countries, and uh, I launch from uh, this place of Atlantic Council an appeal to international community to consider Libya and his stability as a real, as the real priority for uh, the security in the world. I, I told just yesterday with uh, Mr. Uh, Guterres, NATO 
Secretary General and told him my vision that we need a lot of political leadership to manage this situation. It is not possible to have a solution with a bureaucratic approach. We need a, we need a political leadership managing this case of Libya. After a few years of instability, we have not a de new democracy. We have the establishment of Daesh, half million of migrants, human trafficking, there of the smugglers, their criminal gains. The question mark about the use of their criminal gain is sufficient to make a robust intervention of international community because international community a few years ago decided an intervention in Libya but the bill but the bill is in the pocket of Italy just in the pocket of Italy uh, thank you for that powerful statement uh, I, I want to uh, salute in the audience, Karim Mezran uh, at our Hariri Center, who's been working very hard on this issue, uh, and uh, Jean-Piero Masolo. Uh, it's been our honor to work with um, with Arturo Varvelli. Uh, in, you're the chairman of ISPI and, uh, and, and chairman of Ficantieri, so we really appreciate this cooperation. Uh, so if we were to work on this even deeper, uh, you've got the bill in your pocket, what bill would you now like to put in Europe in the alliance's pocket? So in other words, what should Europe and the alliance do right now regarding Libya? Uh, what's necessary to stabilize Libya? Yes, I think that uh, uh, only Libyans for, uh, is, uh, is for the Libyans, um, the, the, un, the unique way, the only way to have uh, a uh, positive situation to manage is uh, very difficult from outside. But the intervention of, uh, in, the intervention of international community needs to push and uh, to press and to have a pressure for East and West to try a solution. And from outside, the diplomatic way is a positive way. And I think that the leadership of UN in this occasion is a fundamental value to spend with a lot of urgency. And this is, uh, and this is what I said, I said just yesterday to Mr. Guterres. Th thank you for that answer. I think for us this is important because obviously in this town and many other parts of the world the focus is right now on Syria. And, for, and, and, and I think it's I important for us, it'd say too much to get ahead of this because I almost think it's too late to get ahead of the Libya situation but to turn to it. Um, uh, let me turn to the audience, unless you'd like to f comment on that. I mean, how do you, let me ask that as a question then turn to the audience. Obviously, Syria's top of mind right now. That's uh, the epicenter of the battle on ISIS. But you're actually saying no. You're saying uh, Libya is a risk for all the world. Uh, how do you balance these two risks, and where do you set your priorities? So 
I think that we have uh, in uh, international situation uh, many emergencies and uh, many fields of uh, necessity of attention from international community. So in the eastern borders we need a real and concrete implementation of MISC agreement to, yeah. to give a solution yeah. of uh, uh, Ukraine uh, crisis and uh, to overcome, if it's possible, uh, the sanctions to Russia. And this is our problem, also as Europeans, obviously. The second point is Balkan, Balkan's process. Uh, we have a, 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 a possibility, a concrete possibility of a, an, a further integration in EU, and we need fresh faith in uh, um, European ideals and in European process from other countries that has a fresh memory of bombs, of attacks, of, of wars, because it's a fresh memory of, of uh, this in the souls of uh, Montenegro, of uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, of, of uh, Serbia and the other three countries. And this is very important, in my opinion, for stability of this region. And the stability of region, in spite of the dimension of region and in spite of number of the citizens, mm. 22 uh, millions, is fundamental for stability and security in the world. Because the Balkan route is the route also of the foreign fighters. It's not only a problem of European integration. It's a problem of security. And it's a problem of stability. And it's a problem of prosperity of that area. That, that is a potential risk, not only for uh, this area, so I would be remiss before turning to the audience based on that last answer and based on hearings that were in the United States yesterday on the, uh, the FBI's um, investigation into Russian uh, influence in our elections. Uh, are you worried about uh, Russian influence in European elections? And then linked to that, is the Balkans also a Russian issue? And how do you view uh, Montenegro's uh, membership of NATO in that light? Yes, I consider, I, I have a lot of confidence in uh, the constitutional ways uh, to have uh, a, a correct information on the influence, or, and I have a lot of confidence in uh, the, the, the protagonist of the system, of constitutional system of US, of uh, EU, and is my deep trust. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, in the Montenegro process, uh, uh, we need a lot of confidence in the process of uh, institutional building in Montenegro. And I consider uh, that, it, uh, that this process uh, is uh, in a good level of achievements in, uh, in the recent uh, last years. But important then for Italy that Montenegro does yes. become a member. Yes, of and uh, yeah. we will have uh, also in in the occasion of this visit some uh, some uh, meeting 
to, to speak about these issues. Uh, while you're here in Washington. Yeah, thank you. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. Please. Why don't we pick up two questions at a time there? We've got about 15, 20 minutes left for questions. Hi, I'll introduce myself. I'm Jan Boyer. I'm an entrepreneur and fan of the Atlanta Council. Um, Mr. Minister, a very simple question. Even uh, respecting and understanding the importance of multilateral and international, if you were to just single out the two major irritants or challenges between the U.S. and Italy, what would you say from the Italian perspective those are? And the second part of my question, what are the two things that the U.S. could do to improve relations between Italy and the U.S.? So um, we consider U.S. the base of our freedom and democracy. And uh, 70 years ago, Mr. Alcide de Gasperi uh, was here in the uh, United States and pronounced in Cleveland very famous speech on our freedoms. And millions of Italians uh, is, uh, were here uh, as migrants. And the US represented for them the occasion to, to organize a wonderful life and to have the possibility to have a success. And this is why our gratitude in, um, to US uh, is uh, not in the words, but in the, our heart, in our heart. And uh, this approach is the base for the rest, is the base for the rest. I think that what we need is uh, to continue our friendship as brothers. Allow me this expression, as brothers as a member of, the, the, of, a, of a, a community, uh, the, of the same community, with a common history, with a strong link, with a strong bond for, of common history, and a strong bond for common destiny. Thank you. Please, the... Uh... <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, my name is Andrei Sitova. I'm a Russian reporter here in Washington, D.C. Uh, I follow up to uh, a previous uh, question uh, from the moderator uh, on, uh, on Russia. You will be traveling uh, to Moscow at the end of the month. Uh, my question is, uh, what is your message that you will be bringing uh, to your Russian colleagues? And uh, uh, how do you uh, want to use the presidency of Italy in uh, G7 in the G7 process uh, to probably restore some normalcy uh, to the relationship uh, with Russia. And if you, sir, if you could speak up a little bit because we are taping this. Thank you. No, no, l'ultima frase. He, he, he wants you to give the, uh, ah, okay, the, okay. the answer loudly. Okay. No, no, you can be hear, heard well, but they're taping it, so we want to make sure that Russia hears your oh, okay. answer. <laughs> oh, it's okay, oh, it's okay. <laughs> So, uh, uh, I, yes, I, I'll be in um, Moscow and uh, I'd like to express to my colleague the necessity to overcome our problems. Our, to overcome our problems because 
I think that is in the mind of any reasonable man that is useful for, for the world to have a warmest relationship with Russia. It's reasonable. But it's not possible in G7 now and um, we need uh, to, uh, to have a solution uh, of the crisis of Ukraine. And the only way to have it is uh, the implementation of a Minsk agreement. And uh, I would like that uh, the G7 in Taormina is the last G7 and uh, the next G7 I hope that is the new G8. The, um, uh, the looking for questions, uh, let me t turn to Kareem. And Kareem, before you ask your question, uh, answer Kareem's question, but I also wouldn't mind you coming back to Jan Boyer's question, because uh, you dodged, uh, do we have no irritants in our relationship? Is everything terrific? Is it just the fact that we serve bad coffee? Is that the only problem? Uh, so, so, but, but let, let's come back to the US-Italian relationship, sort of what for you is priority number one, number two, and then Kareem, why don't you ask your question here at the same time? Do you want me to ask a question? Yes, please. please. Karim Ezran, Atlantic Council. Thank you very much, Mr. Minister, for your intervention. And thank you very much for the strong words you used to put Libya at the center of the, of the world attention. I have a question for you, which is, Italian politics have been very coherent since 2014, 2015, when they stood behind the, the UN-led negotiations. Now, there is a problem in Libya, which is that of opening up. The, the negotiation, which is the idea of being more inclusive and opening to, to, to other forces, which means that supporting only Serraj, despite the strength that, that, that you have put, is not going to be enough. What, my question is, how much is your government going to invest in, in, in Libya? How much are you going to put into the necessity to expand and include other forces and, and exercise the necessary leadership that is needed now to bring together all these various factions. Because you said the, the, the United Nations. The United Nations ha have been working on this for two years, but we have seen that that is not enough. It needs a strong involvement by strong actors to take care of the dynamics on the ground that are getting out of hand. So, how, how far are you ready to go? Yes, it's not it's not simple question. We have two. We have two bilateral level, as Italy and as Europe. But we have a legitimate government from UN, and this is why UN is the crucial point. The cabinet. Of Saraji is a cabinet government legitimated from UN. Is in the hand of UN his legitimacy, and is necessary to have a strong approach from UN. So it doesn't avoid that Italy sign a bilateral agreement with Saraji government and. Uh, and we just signed last month a bilateral agreement on uh, uh, several 
matters. Culture, heritage, uh, migration, obviously, security, training of Libyan Coast Guard. Yes, but it's a bilateral approach. And another bilateral approach is from EU, but it's not, but it's not enough. We have the necessity of UN, and my approach is a strong approach in this field. Thank you. Uh, Damon Wilson. Oh, please. Fred, since you allowed me, eh, signor Ministro, ci aiuti. Alla base di qualunque eh, progetto internazionale ci sono relazioni bilaterali forti. Le ho fatto una domanda molto precisa sulla eh, maniera in cui lei magari può aiutare a, a, ad ottenere quei risultati a livello internazionale è eh, essendo molto chiaro su quali sono i due obiettivi dal punto di vista italiano che più conviene all'Italia e che gli Stati Uniti abbiano, aiutino l'Italia. E dall'altra parte cosa potrebbe fare gli Stati Uniti? Una o due cose specifiche che più aiuterebbero l'Italia in questo momento con, i suoi, con le sue sfide internazionali. Due cose specifiche però fra Italia e Stati Uniti. Thank eh, you, una, una è già agli atti di quello che ho detto poco fa ed è eh, un processo integrato di pace eh, tra Nato di un processo integrato di sicurezza per la pace eh, tra Nato e il nuovo sistema comune europeo di difesa. Il secondo è con tutta l'influenza americana e in una strategia governata dall'ONU la stabilizzazione della Libia. Eh, rischio di risultare ripetitivo, ma noi questo problema abbiamo. Noi abbiamo il problema della Libia. Per noi migrazione e sicurezza è sinonimo di Libia. Qui se si stabilizza la Libia noi abbiamo eh, una grande possibilità di risolvere la crisi dei migranti che ha avuto un'altra rotta importante che è la rotta dei Balcani che si è risolta attraverso l'accordo bilaterale tra l'Unione Europea e la Turchia. So, uh, for the five people in the audience who do not speak yes, Italian, yes. I, I yes. think most people in this audience got it, but can you, can you help us? Well, because the, the main point, obviously, regarding the stabilization of Libya, as the minister has reiterated several times during this, um, this, this conference, and the, important, the crucial importance of migration, the security, and the uh, issue of the, the Balkans. Mm. And, um, Regard, and also regarding the importance of uh, maintaining NATO and its uh, role in the peace process. Uh, yes. NATO the relation between NATO and the EU is fundamental for us. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's crucial. NATO and EU in peace process. Okay. Uh, uh, what added was, was the U.S. leadership, you know, globally at the U.N. to really focus on Libya. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, yes. And this is our priority and we hope that the mm. US leadership also in UN contest mm. uh, support mm. our vision, this vision about the Libya as crucial point for security and military and migration strategies. Thank you. Thank you to you. Damon. Thank you, Mr. Minister. If I could ask uh, two questions. One, you mentioned the importance of Montenegro joining NATO to Italy's interest. You're in Washington at a time when one or two senators are really holding up the Senate ratification of NATO enlargement to Montenegro. How do you make the case uh, to American politicians of uh, why this matters to the United States, uh, Montenegro and NATO, one? 
And two, if you could just give us a little flavor for Italian politics. You've, lost, you've launched a, a new pro-Europe political party. How do you see the prospects of being elected as a politician that's pro-European in Italy uh, against the backdrop of a five-star movement that's been gaining in its campaign against the Euro? So two, two questions from our executive vice president. One is uh, uh, how do you make the argument on NATO to Americans? What's the American interest? And then number two on the political situation for a pro-European party in Italy. Yes, yeah, understand. Uh, NATO, the U.S. in NATO uh, play a key, a key role. And I consider that this key role fundamental for the stability and security in, in the world. And also, uh, the meeting that I have during this day, I like that our meeting uh, to stress this point and uh, to create the possibility of uh, a step forward for Montenegro process. This is uh, my ambition. It's my single ambition, obviously. Uh, but at uh, the end of this day, I'll be able uh, to say you more. <laughs> and second, uh, so we have two drivers of populism in Europe. The first is the economic crisis that was too long. The second is terrorist attacks slash migration crisis, refugee crisis. The new populist parties consider uh, EU the problem. My vision is that uh, uh, EU is, until now and for the future, is uh, the solution, the possible solution. I clearly see the limits. I clearly see the problems. But, however, I consider EU the solution. And I think that the EU needs strong pro-European parties because in the, last, in the last 70 years we had peace and prosperity. Before we had war and war and war. And I think that is a, a not um, simple to demonstrate that without Europe we continue to have peace and prosperity. Uh, Mr. Minister, I think your uh, time is up. We have to let you get on to other meetings. Uh, I think on behalf of the audience, I want to thank you for a very clear opening statement focusing on the issues of the Mediterranean, a clear endorsement of a, a close EU-NATO um, cooperation in these issues. Really a, a, an alarm bell that you're ringing uh, regarding Libya, and then, of course, uh, the statement here at the end that the EU is until now for, and for the future the solution rather than the problem on these uh, key issues of the economic crisis and the refugee crisis. These are clear statements. Um, we uh, welcome you here. We hope you'll come back. Thank you. And good luck on the rest of your trip in Thank Washington. Thank you. Thank you for Thank this you. occasion.